0: The following message is brought to you by the Teaching and Preaching Ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler.
1: Stand with me, if you would as we read our scripture this morning, 2 Kings chapter number 6. We're going to read verses 15 down through verse number 17 for our scripture reading this morning. 2 Kings chapter number 6, verses 15 through 17. The Bible says this, And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, Behold, and host compassed the city both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? He's asking him, What are we going to do? We're surrounded by this army. Verse 16, And he answered, this is uh, his master, Elisha. He says, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire around about Elisha. Pastor's pastor is going to come and preach a message this morning that will help us have a spiritual vision for the new year. Two weeks from
0: today is a very, very, very important Sunday in the life of the Ambassador Baptist Church. It's our Vision Sunday, which is an annual event here that we host every January uh, that really helps our church family know where we're going in the days ahead. And I'm going to say this, and this is no hyperbole, this will be the most important vision service that we've had in the last five years. Um, I'm excited to share with you some opportunities that the Lord is opening up to us. And uh, the year 2017 has some incredible opportunities that lie right in front of us. And so we're going to be sharing with you uh, some of the things, some of the doors that the Lord's opening up unto us. And uh, we're going to pray together that the Lord would give us the faith and the grace just to really step out and to experience some of the things that God is making available to us. And so we're going to share some of those things with you. Two weeks from today at our annual vision service. It'll be an exciting time. A wonderful service and one that I think will encourage your heart as well as give you kind of some perspective of where we're going as a church family. So mark that on your calendars, write it down two weeks from today, Vision Sunday. Now to kind of get us in the spirit of some of this as we embark on a brand new year, I want to just talk a little bit about how to have uh, some spiritual vision or what we're going to call really a a spiritual perspective uh, moving into the year 2017. Now, how many of you are like me? It's going to take you like three or four weeks... Uh, to get the date right, because over the next three or four days, you're going to be writing everything, you know, one, whatever, you know, 16, and you're going to have to scratch it off. Am I the only one who does this, or does anybody else get caught up into that and kind of put the wrong number down? But, but the truth is this, we're in a new year, and God has some incredible things, not just for our church family, but for each of us as individuals, and so we're going to take this story from 2 Kings chapter number six, and I, I hope there are some lessons that each and every one of us can glean. As a theme for this particular sermon, and this is not a series, this is just a standalone sermon that we're going to preach here this morning as we move through 2 Kings chapter number 6, our theme for this sermon is simply this, sometimes God fixes our problems. And how many of you would say amen when he does that? The health problems, the career problems, the financial problems, I think every one of us would say, man, thank God when he fixes our problems. However, sometimes God fixes our problems, but often he fixes our perspective towards the problem instead and we're going to unpack this idea a little bit as we see it played out in second kings chapter number 6 verse number 15 so this morning i want to spend some time looking at the miraculous power of a changed perspective. Now, before we dive into our text in 2 Kings chapter number 6, let me give you some background. If you want to skip all the way back to verse number 8 through verse number 14, it'll give you some background as to what's going on here. The king of Syria has just declared war against the nation of Israel here in 2 Kings. So he meets with his military officers and he tells his officers, hey, gather together. He says, this is exactly where I want you to go and attack the armies of the Israelites. And so the arm, the captains gather together. They say, okay, that's what we're going to do. But before the Syrian armies are able to actually attack Elisha, we're going to talk a little bit more about who Elisha is. He's a prophet of God for uh, the children of Israel. So Elisha goes to the king of Israel and says to him, he gets a message to him and says, "Hey, listen. The king of Syria knows where your armies are going to be and he's about to ambush you." And so basically Elisha fills him in and so the king of Israel sends his armies in a different direction. Well, when the king of Syria's armies are there, children of Israel's armies are nowhere to be seen and The plans are spoiled. So the king of Syria, once again, gathers his captains together and he says, hey, this is where the Israelites are going to be. He says, I want you to ambush him at this point. Well, the same thing happens again. Elisha is able to go to the king of Israel, say, this is where the armies of the Syrians are going to be. Don't send your armies that way. And the plans get spoiled again. After a few times, this exact scenario takes place on several different occasions, according to this passage. And finally, the king of Syria calls all of his leaders together and demands to know who the spy is in their midst, alright? The king of Syria is like, obviously we have a problem, we have a spy, somebody's got to fess up. Well, finally, one of the men step forward, the officers, and says, king, it's no spy. I have word that it's actually Elisha, that prophet of God. In fact, he tells the king of Israel everything that you talk about. In fact, he even tells the king of Israel the things that you talk about in the privacy of your very own bedroom, Well, the king of Syria, of course, is furious, and he demands that someone go find this Elisha somewhere. Eventually, the Syrians discover that the prophet is living in a city called Dothan. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So the king orders that an army big enough to surround the entire city go and capture this prophet of God, this Elisha. Now, if you ask me to send an entire army to catch one old man is a little bit of what I would call overkill, would you not? <laughs> Whole army, one old guy. Just a little bit of overkill, a little bit. But let me just, let's, let's, let's pause here for a second and let me ask you, have you ever personally found yourself in a situation where you felt like the enemy was going a little bit overboard in its attempts to destroy you? Like, for Elisha and his servant, as we're going to read in this passage, for them, the, the, the war, the battles with Syria and Israel, it was like out there. It was somewhere else. But then all of a sudden, on this particular morning, as Pastor Nick just read a moment ago, when, when Elisha's servant woke up and he saw the armies of the Syrians surrounding their city, all of a sudden now the enemy had come to their city. The enemy literally was walking up to their home, standing on their porch, knocking on their door. Have you ever been there before? It's one thing when there's situations going on in the country. But all of a sudden, when those situations come home, all of a sudden you find, you get the phone call one day. And all of a sudden, it's not just a prayer request that you're praying for somebody else's health. You get the phone call and it's now it's your health. It's not just somebody else's family, now it's your family. It's not just somebody else's finances, it's your finances. And you ever been in a situation where you're like, man, I understand sometimes things get tough, but the enemy went overboard in its attempts this time around. Have you ever at least felt that way? Have you ever experienced the reality of like, when it rains, it what? It pours. Ever felt like that? Lord, I think I could take one of these things or two, but it it just feels like the enemy's coming from all directions. I feel like I'm totally surrounded here. And that's what Elisha and his servant must have felt like, which brings us to our first thought this morning from this passage, verse number 15 and 16, and that's simply this I see a hopeless problem. I see a hopeless problem. One old man, his little servant, Against an entire army of trained killers, I don't know about you, but that might feel like a little bit of a, a hopeless problem. And I think if we were to be honest, every one of us in the year 2016 faced some things that felt like a hopeless problem. Have you ever been there before? You just literally felt like I—I I don't see any hope for this marriage. I, I don't see any hope for this addiction. I don't see any hope for this child, for this financial situation. It's like for a while you were battling and for a while you thought you could fend it off, but it just seemed like the enemy just kept coming and coming and now they're in all directions and it just you come to a place where you feel like I'm just in the middle of a a hopeless situation. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. It just feels utterly hopeless. And so now you're embarking on the year 2017 and you're entering into this year and you don't have a lot of hope. And you're you're hearing, you know, this person's excited, and you see on Facebook, wow, congratulations. And, and you're entering into the year 2017, like, man, I'm like half a day into this thing, and I think the year's already got me beat. <laughs> a hopeless situation. But notice in verse number 15 what happens. It says in verse 15, and when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, a host, this, this host of armies literally surrounded the city of Dothan both with horses and chariots. Now, in this day and age, when there was an army sent with horses and chariots, this was a big deal. I mean, this would be the equivalent of you going outside and there being tanks and Apache helicopters and guys with bazookas standing surrounding your home. This is what it would have felt like in this day and age. And here's this servant. And he's like, what in the world? You, you notice verse number 15 here. And his servant said unto Elisha, my master, what shall we do? What are we going to do about this? Notice under this hopeless problem, I want you to see this servant's confused state. He's just confused. What do we do? How shall we do? What's going on? And he just felt confused about the situation. I'm, I'm asking you today: do you, do you, do you, can you empathize with what they're experiencing? Have you ever felt like, man, you're just being surrounded by the enemy? You're in a hopeless situation, and you literally don't know what to do. You got the phone call from the doctor, and you've you've taken the vitamins, and you've followed their advice, and and you've done everything you know to do, but you're still confused, and and now you don't have the job, and you're wondering, what do I do now? And you're in a situation with your child or your teenager, and you've done everything that you know how to do, what to do as a parent, and, and it just seems like nothing, nothing is working, and it just feels hopeless, and you feel confused, and you just don't Know what to do. And that is how you're starting the year 2017. Confused and hopeless and helpless. See, I think it's interesting here in verse number 15. The servant literally runs to Elisha, this old man, and he says, how shall we do? What shall we do? Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can be just like this servant, See, the first thing that, the, that was on the servant's mind is, what do we got to do? Now, now here's, the, here's the situation. Think about this. Oftentimes, our first response to difficulties is wanting, catch this, to do something. We see the enemy surrounding. We see the hopeless situation. We're confused. And as Americans, our knee-jerk reaction is, we've got to do something. And that's where the servant was. That's, that's, where, that's what I often do. There's a problem. There's a situation. There's an issue. What do I have to do? And yet the reality is oftentimes when we're facing a spiritual enemy, doing is not always the first response. See, uh, the children of Israel, they faced a A similar situation in Exodus 14. They were trapped in the wilderness and they were saying to Moses at the time, Moses, what are we going to do? We've got the Red Sea in front of us. We've got Pharaoh's armies behind us. What are we going to do? And in Exodus 14, Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Don't be afraid. I love this. Stand still. And see. See what, Moses, the salvation of the Lord, which he'll show you today. See, our first response when we see the enemy and we see the situations and we feel hopeless and we feel confused as Americans, we we got to do this and we got to do that and we see our kids doing that, let's do that. And we we see this situation, we got to do these things and do those things. And God sometimes just wants us to say, hey, God wants us to say, stand still and watch me work stand still, trust me, I'm going to do something. Rather than do something first, sometimes God just wants us to stand still and look to Him for a moment. He wants to give us a fresh vision for who He is and what He is capable of doing. You see, before we're supposed to do something, God wants us to look to Him God wants us to see him high and lifted up. He wants us to see who God is. See, if we're not careful, our doing will not flow out of an understanding of who God really is. And so here's this servant, and his first reaction is, What are we going to do? How shall we do? What shall we do here? So when the servant asks this, in verse number 16, Elisha answers, notice what he says, verse 16. And Elisha answered, fear not, fear not. Not only do I see a servant's confused state, I want you to see Elisha's confident spirit. He's confident. The servant, he's confused. He's feeling hopeless. But Elisha, he's feeling confident. He's able to say, hey, Don't don't be afraid. Fear not. And I want to say to you today, guys, as we go into the year 2017, I love you. I am for you. I realize some of you are facing situations right now that that are way deeper than anything I could imagine or even empathize with. And yet the reality is I want you to know this. God knows what you're going through. God understands what you're going through. He, he has, he's, he's experienced those things like you've experienced them. And I want to say, not, not from my lips, but based on the authority of the word of God, I want to say to you, fear not. As you go into the year 2017, don't be afraid. You say, well, why? Your ability to not be afraid doesn't have anything to do with the circumstances. It has everything to do with who your God is. We serve a great God, my friends. I mean, when you think about it, We serve a God that literally spoke the world into its existence. We serve a God that literally flung the stars into the universe. We serve a God that placed the planets into their orbit. As you read through the scriptures, you see that we serve a God that split wide open the Red Sea. We serve a God that brought down the walls of Jericho. We serve a God that stopped the mouths of lions. We serve an incredible and great God. And the same God that created the world with his various words, the same God that split wide open the Red Sea, the same God that brought fire from heaven, the same God that brought down the walls of Jericho is the exact same God that you and I serve today. The Bible declares to us, I am the Lord I change not I'm the same yesterday today and forever here's why I say you don't have to fear because you have a God that's big he's bigger than your problems he's bigger than the situation he's experienced those things that you've experienced he doesn't just look down from lofty heights telling you not to worry about it he came down as a man and he's acquainted with your griefs and with your sorrows he knows what it's like to be frail and to be human He's experienced your experiences. And that God, while He doesn't always promise to take you out of the problem, He always promises to be there with you in the midst of the problem. And that's the greatest promise you could take to the bank. We serve a great God. So here's a hopeless situation. The servant, he's in this confused state. Elisha, his confidence, he could see what the servant saw, but man, he was confident. He was confident. The Bible says in Second Timothy chapter number one, verse number seven, "For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind." I want to say, I know what this looks like. I know when Elisha looked at his servant. He saw what his servants saw. And I want to say to you today, I know when you look at the health report and you look at your finances, I know when you look at the situation with your family, I know when you look at these things, it feels a little bit overwhelming. It feels a little bit overbearing. But I want to say something. On the grand stage of life, when, when you look at the grand stage of, of your life, I, I realize it looks like maybe everything's maybe falling apart. But I want to say to you, there's something going on behind the curtain that you don't see. Behind the curtain of that health situation, behind the curtain of that family difficulty, behind the curtain of that financial loss, behind the curtain, God is doing something. Backstage, God's doing something that you're not aware of. And that's exactly what we're going to see in this story. See, uh, what Elisha's communicating is he's saying, Hey, servant, I know what you see. I know when you look at the grand stage of life what you see. But Elisha's communicating there's something going on backstage that you're not seeing There's something going on behind the curtain that you don't yet get. And I want to give you this hope and this confidence today behind the situation, behind the problem, behind the difficulty, behind the hardship. Backstage, your sovereign God is doing some incredible, incredible things behind the scene. That's your God. And that's why He can say, fear not. Now... You say, why could Elisha say, fear not? I mean, was this just Elisha practicing, you know, the power of positive thinking? (laughs) Is that what's going on here? No, not at all. Elisha's statement is more than just the power of positive thinking. You see, Elisha's statement is based on a very real spiritual reality. You say, what reality is that? Let's keep reading in verse number 16. He says in verse 16, Fear not. Elisha, why could you say fear not? Is this just happy talk? Let's keep reading. For they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Which brings us to our second insight this morning, and that's simply this. Not only do we see in this passage a hopeless problem, but I want you to notice number two, a heavenly perspective. This is big. A heavenly perspective. Elisha says to his servant, hey, they that be with us are more than they which be with them. Elisha had a heavenly perspective. What did this heavenly perspective reveal about Elisha? Number one, it it revealed this. He believed God was with them in the midst of the difficulty. He believed God was with them in the midst of the difficulty. Notice what it says here in verse number 16. They that be with us. He's going to go on to tell us in a moment who that they is. It's, it's, the, it's the God of angel armies. But Elijah believed that God was with them in the midst of these difficulties. And I want to declare to you today that God is with you in the midst of your difficulty. Some of you right now, you're in a silent moment. And you're wondering what God's doing in your life. And I want to say to you, in this moment, God is with you. And you're going through a difficulty and maybe it's just the challenges of of home and the kids and it's work and just the basic stresses of life. And I want to say to you today that your God is with you in the midst of that difficulty. He's with you. His presence is there and there is confidence and there is hope in the presence of God. Psalms chapter number 139 tells us, whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence? David goes on to say, If I send into heaven, thou art there. Man, if life is so good, it feels like I'm in heaven. He says, God, I know you're there. He says, if I make my bed in hell, he says, if life gets so bad, if it gets so horrible, if it gets so awful, it feels like I'm in the midst of hell, he says, even in that moment, in the trial and the difficulty and in the hard time, thou art there. He says, if I take the wings of the morning, dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. He said, there is no place I can go where your presence cannot go with me. There's confidence in that, my friend. I can't always be there for you. And your spouse won't always be there for you. And your parents may not always be there for you. And your boss may not always have your back and your kids might not always support you in that endeavor. But I want to declare to you today, even if a pastor abandons you and even if a spouse leaves you behind, your God will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And that's the hope. That's the confidence we have. Not in a person, not in an institution, not in a denomination. Your hope is in the person of Jesus Christ, a God who promises he'll never leave you and never forsake you. Your hope is in him. That's the spirit. That's the promise that Elisha had, he knew that God was with him in the midst of the difficulty. But not only did he believe that God was with him in the midst of the difficulty, I love this, he believed that God was greater than the difficulty. It's one thing to know that God's there, but if you don't believe he's sovereign and he's provident and he's powerful, what point is there to a helpless, weak God? But it's not just that your God is with you all the time. He's there when you're at work, and He's there when you're at home. He's there when you're in a crowd, and He's there when you're lonely. He's there when you feel strong, and He's there when you feel weak. There's never a moment where your God is not there. But it's not just that He's there. I want to declare that He's stronger and greater than the difficulty. No matter the problem you face, no matter the difficulty you're up against, your God is greater. He's greater than the financial difficulty you'll find yourself in this year He's greater than the health problems that you'll face He's greater than the family stresses that'll eat at your life Your God is greater than every every problem Your God is greater than every, any difficulty you'll face and, and you need to keep that lens in good view as you peer into the problem You've got a big God You have a great God now, after Elisha makes this statement, let's get back to our narrative, the story. Let's just be real. The servant probably at this point was kind of scratching his head. Like, what in the world is Elisha talking about? They that be with us are more? Elisha's, Elisha's servant's looking around. He's like, the old man's gone crazy. Like some of your kids think he's gone crazy, all right? They that be with us. Now, here's my point. They were both looking at the same situation. Elisha and the servant, they're both looking at the same thing. But they're looking at the situation through two different lenses, and the lens made all the difference in the world See, some of you look around and you see some Christian friend, and you're like, man, they're just dumb. They're just stupid. They're just living in this la la land. And I'm here to tell you there are two different perspectives. Both of these men were in the exact same situation. Both of them were surrounded by the armies of the Syrian king. Both of them had these armies just bearing down on them. But one of them was responding through the lens of temporal reality, while the other responded through the lens of a spiritual, eternal reality. And that vantage point, that That perspective made all the difference in the world. And I ask you this question. When you look at your problems, what's the lens that you look at it through? Do you look at it through the lens of the temporal perspective? Or do you look at it through the lens of a spiritual, eternal perspective? My friends, this makes all the difference in the world. Because you're going to have some friends praying for you and they're going to try to speak life into the situation and they're going to try to speak hope into the situation and they will annoy you because you're looking at the situation through a temporal lens rather than eternal spiritual lens. 1 John 4 says, Oh, year of God, little children, and have overcome them. Notice this, because greater is he that is in you Than he that is in the world Your God is greater He's greater than the problem you're facing right now He's greater than that person who's out to make your life miserable He's greater than your doubt He's greater than your sin He's greater than your temptations He's greater than your flaws He's greater than your brokenness He's greater He's stronger and he's more powerful than anything your life will face. Now, let me sum up this thought here real quick with this. The biggest problem you might be facing might not be the problem itself, but rather the way you view problems. Now, I I want to be sensitive I don't want to make light of the hurt that some of you are going through. And I don't want to make it seem trite because it's not. It's deep and it's heavy and it's dark. It's hard. I, I know to the best that I can I know and, and, and even where I don't fully empathize and where I can't fully understand I want to say to you I, I, I care and I love you and I'm for you but I also need to speak truth into the situation and the truth is this it might be that part of the problem is the way you're viewing the problem and you need the miracle of a changed perspective you need to see this thing differently you need to view it differently because what's creating problem after problem after problem after problem, you see, it's like a domino. Your, 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 your view of the problem creates more problems and then more problems and more problems. And I'm here to say, let's allow the Spirit of God to work at the heart, to work at the root and change your perspective of problems. You see, Elisha had a right perspective. His perspective every time he viewed a problem, whether it was whether it was in relationships, whether it was finances, whether it was material, whether it was spiritual or emotional or relational, when he viewed a problem, he viewed it through this lens that God was with him in the midst of that trial. And that God was greater than it. I, I want to say this. You can breathe. Don't stress. If you do, there's grace and mercy for your stress and your frustrations. But you're just hurting yourself. Because you have a God that's bigger. You have a God that is greater. He is for you, He loves you, He wants what's best for you. And sometimes he uses uncomfortable grace to change the way you see life. And so you keep bumping up against things and you keep bumping up against things and you keep stressing out and like the servant worrying and what am I going to do and running here trying to fix this and running there trying to fix that. And your life is so busy and your life is so stressed out and you're so busy doing, 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 thinking that you're going to be saved through doing and doing's not going to save you. If I don't do this, I'll lose this relationship. But if I don't do that, I'll lose these finances. But I don't do these. And literally, the enemy has you running in a thousand different directions like a chicken with its head cut off. Because there's a perspective that doesn't just release it and submit it and say, God, you're in control and I can trust you. And if this person misunderstands, and if that person doesn't like me, and if those people don't get it, and if this situation falls apart, God, I'm going to submit to you. You know, and I'll let the cards fall where they may because I trust you. So what happens? Because of, this, because of this heavenly perspective, what does Elisha do? Let's just keep reading here. Verse number 17, okay? We're just doing a Bible study here. We're just going through it. Verse 17. And Elisha, what did he do? He prayed. He prayed. What do you say, Lord? I pray thee, open his eyes, that he might see, which leads us to our final thought this evening and this morning. I should say this: a hopeless problem, a heavenly perspective. But then I want you to see, lastly, here, just a humble prayer. It's it's so it's so short. It's just humble. It's small. It's not very eloquent it doesn't sound very lofty and religious it's just this very humble simple prayer and the other thing that makes it very humble i want you to notice a couple of things about this is that this prayer was spiritually focused you see, i think this is part of what makes it so humble because elisha doesn't pray a prayer for himself read read this again i want you to see this and elisha prayed and said lord i pray thee open his eyes that he may see notice this about this humble prayer he didn't pray for himself now let's just be honest was the Syrian army surrounding Elisha too? Yes or no? Yes. Was Elisha in some hot water, physically speaking? Yes or no? But I love the fact, you know what Elisha prays for? Someone else. It's like, he's so humble in this. It's not even about, it's not about the situation. It's not about the problem. It's not about the circumstance. He, he's praying, he's praying for the spiritual state of his friend, even while he himself finds himself in some hot water, physically speaking. What a mark of spirituality. As Elisha is praying for the spiritual development of his friends when he himself also is in a difficult situation, what an encouragement. You see here, Elisha doesn't pray for changed circumstances. You can read the prayer. He doesn't pray for the circumstances to change. He doesn't pray for an easier situation. He doesn't pray for a comfortable outcome. He doesn't pray for the situation as himself. He's like, his, he is so focused on the heart of the situation. Now, I want you to get this. It's easy for us when we find ourselves in the middle of hot water to be so consumed with ourselves that we forget that the real issue is an issue of the heart. It's an issue of our perspective. It's an issue of how we see things. Uh, James chapter number four continues this thought where it says, you ask, he's talking about prayer, and he says, you receive not. So James literally says, there are times you pray and you don't get what you pray for. And he says, this is why. He says, you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lust. And he says, sometimes the reason prayers don't get answered is because you're praying just for yourself. You're praying just for the circumstances and just the situation. And one of the things that we can learn from this is the reality that there are times where God wants us to get below the circumstances and below the situation. And He wants us to say, God, what do you want from my heart? How do you want me to see this differently? How do you want me to interpret this differently? How do you want me to, to go about this differently? Because Elijah recognized there was a heart issue at play that was, that was even more important than the physical situation. Now, granted, I'm not saying not to pray for physical situations. There's a lot of places in the scriptures that teach us to do exactly that. But the emphasis of this particular passage is to understand that there is a priority to praying for that which is unseen. There's a priority and emphasis that we should have on praying for our motives and our perspectives and our values and our soul, our heart, the unseen realm of life. Because it's amazing how often the unseen realm of life so dramatically influences the physical seen realms of life as well. And so Elisha, he prays this humble prayer that was first and foremost spiritually focused Notice this. The prayer was also supernaturally fulfilled. The prayer was supernaturally fulfilled. Notice what it says here. It says in verse 17, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. Notice this. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. Just like that. This spiritual prayer instantly got a spiritual response. Now, I want to say this. One of the greatest miracles you can experience as a human being is the miracle of a changed perspective. You say, no, it'd be a real miracle if God changed my health condition, my marriage condition, my finance condition, and that'd be a wonderful thing, and there's there's a time and a place to pray for that. But I'm going to say this. The greatest miracles that we can experience are miracles of a changed perspective. The miracle of spiritual sight, to see things as God sees them, to view them as the Word declares them, to see as God sees, to view as the Father views, to interpret as the Spirit interprets. The greatest miracle we can experience as human beings is the miracle of a changed perspective. When was the last time you experienced that miracle? rather than praying that your boss would get fired, pray that you'd have a changed perspective towards your boss. Rather than praying that God fix all the circumstances, saying, God, would would you fix me? Know me, God. Try me. Know my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. God, lead me into that which I'll be able to view as everlasting. God, I want to see and view and interpret things the way you see, you view, and you interpret. And that's what Elisha is doing here. And God gives the miracle of a changed perspective. Spiritual perspective, spiritual vision is a miracle only God can do. And he promises to do it in response to prayer. This is something every boy and girl in this room could do. Every teenager in this room, every young adult, every mom, every dad, every grandmother, every grandpa, everybody could experience the miracle of a changed perspective. I'm going to say this. It is possible for you to walk out these doors in a few minutes and interpret everything that's going on in your heart and life entirely different than the way you did when you walked in. As you begin to view it as God views it. If you really believed that God was with you in the midst of it. And that he was greater than it. And you could really trust him with every detail. I'm not saying all the hurt would go away. But I would say you'd have hope. You'd begin to experience the fruit of the spirit like you didn't before. When there's a right perspective all of a sudden there's joy. Not because everything's going right. There is joy in the fact that God's in control. There is peace rather than stressing out and being frustrated. There's a peace that passes all understanding, the Bible says. It doesn't even make sense because all of a sudden you have a perspective that God is in ultimate control. And he does all things for my ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. And regardless of how the circumstances go, regardless of how the circumstances turn out, I can trust him. Let's keep reading here and notice this verse 17. The Bible says he saw what did he saw what did he see Behold the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire. Round about Elisha. Here's this servant. Elisha prays a spiritually focused prayer. God miraculously changes the perspective of the servant, and for the first time, he sees the situation the way it really was. He got a glimpse of the spiritual realm. He saw what God was doing behind the curtain. Where before he'd only been able to see the grand stage of his life, now he was able to peer backstage and see what was really going on. That was the miracle that God was doing. And I want to say this, when God performs a miracle, he doesn't always remove the negative physical realities. This is so important for us to understand. In that moment, When God answered this prayer and gave a miracle here to Elisha and his son, he didn't remove the negative physical realities. Often God just reveals grander spiritual realities. Did you catch that? Elisha prayed. A miracle happened. At this moment, none of the negative realities changed. But God just revealed grander spiritual realities. And that's what God wants to do for some people in this room. He wants to reveal to you grander spiritual realities of what's going on in your situation. Sometimes he'll take away the physical realities. He'll remove the physical situations and circumstances. Often our God will do that. But more often than not, he reveals a grander spiritual interpretation of what is actually going on behind the curtain. And that's when the joy of the Lord starts flooding in. And the peace that passeth all understanding and joy unspeakable and full of glory and an ability to love those that don't seem lovable, to have unconditional compassion toward those that you wouldn't know how to give compassion to, that's what God does. Now, maybe you're sitting here today and you're still finding yourself a little skeptical. (laughs) Maybe you're saying to yourself, yeah, 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 you know, I mean, But but here's the deal. God literally allowed the servant to see the heavenly host with his physical eyes, right? I mean, let's just be honest. We're all reading ahead in the story. I mean, if God literally physically allowed me to see how this health condition, how this career change, how this financial situation, how this family situation was going to work out, if I, if I could see it, if God could map it out if, like Elisha's servant, if I could see what Elisha's servant saw, then, then I, I, I would have faith too. <laughs> now, so let me, let me give you some perspective on this real quick. Um, verse number 13, I want you to get, let's get some context here um, where, verse 13 tells us, but where was all this taking place at? Anybody, anybody want to guess? Where's this taking place at, verse 13? Yeah. Uh, who said it? Dothan, all right, a little city of Dothan. Now, let me give you a little, a little Bible knowledge, all right? The city of Dothan is only mentioned two times in the entire scriptures, once in this passage, and one place somewhere else. Does anybody remember the other place where Dothan is mentioned? Okay, it's mentioned in Genesis. Good job, Nathan, all right. It's mentioned in Genesis. You'll remember the story. There was a guy, (laughs) his name was Joseph. Remember this guy? And just like many years, just like in this passage, there were, you know, another young man. There was a man in Dothan with people ready to destroy him as well, okay? This, This young man named Joseph. He found his brothers in Dothan. They throw him into a pit, Right there in Dothan. Elisha had a group wanting to destroy him. And so Joseph had a group that wanted to destroy him as well. His brothers. But just like there were angels in Dothan protecting Elisha, I'm going to say this. Those same angels were there in Dothan protecting Joseph as well. It wasn't like this was some staged production where God was like, oh, no, Elisha prayed that there would be some help. I better send some angels down there. Those guys, they were already there. He just revealed it. And those angels were there before when Joseph was in the pit. And those same angels that protected Elisha protected Joseph. But I want to say this. Joseph never saw them with his eyes, but they protected him nonetheless. And I want to say to you, whether you see or whether you don't, physically speaking, your God's there. And I want to say this more than you need a sight of the angels, you need insight into the heart of God for you. You need to know that your God is with you and that your God is for you. As we said at the beginning of the sermon, sometimes God fixes our problems. But more often than not, he fixes our perspective instead. And as we go into the year 2017, I think it's a good thing to continue to pray for the spiritual situations that you face in your life. But can I say this? I want to encourage you to pray for your heart and pray for the heart of those around you. Pray for their perspective. Pray for how they view the details of their life, the problems of their life, the situations of their life. Because at the heart of every problem is a problem of the heart. If you read down through verses 18 through 22, when it's all said and done, it's, a great, it's an awesome story, you can read it. But when it's all said and done, they get to the end, and the Bible says that the bands, the armies of Syria, verse 22, came no more into the land of Israel. God did a miracle. You say, why did God wait until after this whole ordeal to change the circumstances, to change the physical realities? Why didn't God do that first? Why did he change the servant's perspective before he changed the circumstances? Because God wants to do more than just resolve situations. He wants to restore your faith in him. God wants to do more than resolve your individual specific situation. He wants to restore your faith in Him. And sometimes God, in His uncomfortable grace, will allow you to experience hard things and not solve the problem right away so that your faith can be strengthened and grown, and developed. So if you're here today, and the problems of your life as you go in, and you're bringing problems from 2016 into 2017, they're bearing down on you, I want to ask you to pray for the miracle of a fresh perspective, so that you yourself can see the God of angel armies working all things together for your ultimate good, and for His ultimate glory. So I end with this. Yes. The armies against us are great. But the armies for us, they're so much greater. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.